Love daylight savings. Just that little step closer to summer, which is just an amazing, amazing thing. How many of you normally come to the 8.30 and uh, slept in a little bit today? I won't name and shame you. Okay, we're going to uh, finish up our series called Cautionary Tales today. And uh, this series has been looking at uh, a number of people in the Bible who didn't really finish well or did didn't get it right, and so we're trying to learn lessons from some lives and some things, uh, things that we could learn from them. And I want to speak today to a little-known person by the name of Uzzah. Uzzah. Uzzah was a bit of a loser. <laughs> Just joking. Second Samuel chapter number 6, starting in verse 1. Follow along, it's in your notes there. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. He and all his men went to Balaa in Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty. It was enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. Uzzah and Ahio, sons of Abinadab, were guiding the new cart, with the ark of God on it, and Ahio was Ahio, Ahio, I don't know how to say your name, <laughs> was walking in front of it. David and all Israel were celebrating with all, the, all their might before the Lord with castanets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. We only have cymbals in our worship team. I think we've got a way to go. Need to get to work, worship team. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Um, the, I wanted to speak to this um, passage of scripture for a few moments uh, that we have together this morning. And um, this can seem a bit, when you read it, it's like, man, this is intense. This is pretty like heavy-handed and kind of over the top. This is quite a reaction uh, that, that Uzzah gets from God. Uh, but I want to dig a little deeper into it and see kind of what's the cautionary tale we can kind of take out of this. A bit of a recap of what's going on in this moment. David has defeated the Philistines and he's bringing the Ark of God or the Ark of the Covenant. He's bringing that out of the house of Abinadab, and he's bringing it into the city of David. Now, the ark at this point in time is the literal dwelling place of the presence of God. It is a, it is a box uh, that's got two like cherubim angel things on top, and even in this passage here, it says the presence of God dwells between the cherubim. It is this, this box, this ark of God, it's the, at this point in time, the literal dwelling place of the presence of God on earth. And where the ark goes, victories are won, battles are won, provision comes, breakthrough comes. Where they take this ark, this is, this is what happens. And David is bringing this ark out of this guy's house and bringing it uh, into the city. And this is where we see Abinadab's two sons are on the road with it. And what David is doing here in this moment is a really good thing. You have to understand that. This is a really good thing. The ark of God, the presence of God, is never meant to stay in one man's house. You understand? It's a good thing to take the presence of God out of the house and take it into a city that so needs it. How many know the city needs the presence of God? How many know the city needs the breakthrough and the provision and the grace and the goodness that comes from the presence of God? It's not good for the presence of God to stay locked up in just one man's house. Just like it's not okay for the presence of God to stay locked up just inside this house. 
Like the presence of God, like what we do in church on a Sunday is not supposed to stay in church on a Sunday. The presence of God and all that He does in you and through you and in this place is to go from this world because the city beyond these four walls so needs what you carry. It so needs the presence of God. So David is taking the ark of God. Yeah, I see it. Amen, sister. David is taking the ark of God, the presence of God out of this house, and he's bringing it to the city of David. And what I want to do here is I want to offer you a contrast. See, right now in our context, you know, Jesus coming and the revelation of God, this is what we have now. The ark, the presence of God no longer dwells in an ark. It no longer dwells in temples made by men. The presence of God now dwells in you and I. This is like the great like, wonder and I think mystery of God that he, he's decided to take up residence inside of you. The spirit and the presence and the power of God now resides in you and I. The, the Bible says that you and I, we are now temples of the Holy Spirit. He is indwelt you. If you've said yes to Jesus, if you've said yes to following him, then the spirit of God has come and taken up residence inside of you. That's why you started to change. That's why you're no longer how you used to be. That's why old things are now gone and new things have now come. That's why you think different and talk different and walk different. That's why you've started to change because the Spirit of God has come in and taken up residence inside of you and He's starting to change you and shape you. And if you've had the fullness of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, watch out because you're now fully immersed in the Holy Spirit, the presence of God. And so where you go, the presence of God goes. That's why you know where you go and when you go to your workplace and your family and your home, and your community, the presence of God goes with you, friend. And so breakthrough and healing and, and the fullness of life go wherever you go because you're carrying the presence of God with you. So we see in this, in this passage kind of a contrast between then and now, but the same thing is happening. This ark of God is coming out of Abinadab's house and going to a city that so desperately needs it. And there's you and I here today as walking, talking mobile arcs where we've got the presence of God inside of us to go and make a difference and live out the purpose and the plan of God that He has for our life in our city, in our community, in our, in our context. So I want to look at the life of Uzzah and look at some cautionary tales, some things that we can learn if we're to fulfill and live out the purpose and plan of God for our lives, what's some lessons we can learn? The first one I have is this. Do it God's way, not your way. When it comes to living this life that God has for you, when it comes to fulfilling the plans He has for you, do it God's way, don't do it your way. Um, one of the great tensions in our marriage, and like Bexie said, we've been married 13 years. We've got a little way to catch up to Pastor Luke in Maryland. But... One of the great tensions is our, in our marriage is my, um, my inability to follow a recipe. Like, I just don't follow recipes. I, don't, I, I do a, a lot of the cooking in our house. I enjoy cooking. Um, that comes as a surprise to many people that I cook. Um, my wife, she, she does cook as well. Um, she's a good cook, uh, but I do most of the cooking. And, um, but I, I just don't, why is that funny? I don't understand. What? <laughs> What I don't do is I don't like to follow recipes. I mean, like, I, I'm no longer a slave to the recipe. I'm a child of God. I just don't, my wife is a rule follower to the letter. And so it drives her mental 
uh, that, sh- that, that I don't follow the recipe. Like, she can't handle it at all. It's like, no, it says to do that. I'm like, I know it says to do that, but let me be. Let me live my life. I, I, will, scan, I will scan a recipe. I, I, will, I will get the ingredients of the recipe. But then from there, I'm good to go. Like, I've got this handled. I know it says do that. I know that's the instruction. I know that's what it says, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to like, like, so when it says uh, put in one tablespoon of this, I'm like, I quite like that. I'm going to. And I'll just make, make whatever. And, and so the reason it causes tension is because when my wife asked me to cook something, she wanted to look like the picture in the recipe. And, 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 and when I produce it, it's kind of a deformed monstrosity that I believe tastes better, but... I don't, I don't like to follow those ins- the, the instructions, and, and normally it doesn't work out the way it, it should uh, along the way. But you know, I know this in this story with Uzzah, it can seem quite heavy-handed from God, but the re- reality is God had given them some instruction, but they weren't following the instruction. Uh, they, there was a way that God had for them to do something, but they were choosing to do it a different way. They were choosing to their own way above what God had instructed them to. See, they were carrying the ark in a way that they were never supposed to carry the ark. Their first mistake is they weren't following the instruction of God. They were trying to carry the ark, the presence of God. They built a new cart for it, and they were carrying it on a cart with ox. God's instruction was never that His presence be carried uh, on something constructed by men, but that it would be carried on the shoulders of men themselves. See, God's instruction was that the ark would be carried on poles that went through holes around the ark, and it would be lifted up, and wherever it was carried, it would go on the shoulders of priests, and it would be carried by them. You see, I understand, friends, that, that God wants to move. When God wants to move and do things, He does it with men. He does it with people. He does it with you and I. He doesn't do it with things that we construct or that we manufacture, even if it's a nice cart and a new cart and it looks all shiny and it looks fantastic. That's not the way God instructed them to do it. It was always to go on the shoulders of people. And so you see in this moment, there's this selective obedience going on. It's like, God, I know you said to do it this way, but we've got a better idea. Like, I know you said live this way, but I'm, I'm going to ignore that, and I'm going to tr- choose to do it the other way. Because that way you said it's quite heavy, like, and it takes a lot of effort for me to carry that. So I've got a better idea. I'm going to ignore what you said there, and I'm going to build a cart. It's going to be a really nice cart, but we're going to build a cart, and we're going to get the ox to do it because they're pretty good at pulling stuff along. When it comes to living this life God has for you and living out the plan He has for your life, it's not always going to be easy, and there's going to be some things that you're not going to want to do. There's going to be some things you want to avoid and you want to, and you want to keep, you want to chuck out uh, along the way. Some things are harder than others, but if you want to know the full life he has for you, do it God's way. See, I'm going to tell you, when God says forgive your enemies, I promise you it's easier not to. <laughs> like, forgive your enemies. Yeah, yeah, cool. That's not easy. It's easier not to. When God says pray for those and bless those who persecute you and hurt you, it's easier not to. When God says blessed are you when people say all manner of things against you because of my name, it would be easier if they didn't, Right? So, but we can have this tension and we all have to fight this, this battle 
of selective obedience where we go, God, I like this part, but I don't like this part. I'm going to take this part, but I'm not going to take this part. And, and, and uh, God, I know you're calling me to live this way. I know this is how you're instructing me to live, but I, I'm just going to ignore that. And I'm, going to, I'm just going to keep doing my own thing over here. I'm going to live my own way doing this. We see it also play out with Uzzah. When, when he touches the ark, that's an act of selective obedience. Because back in Numbers chapter 4, verse 15, God said to them, if you touch any of these things, you're going to die. So there's an instruction. God's like, hey, if you touch it, you're going to die. And he's like, I know you said that. Like, I know you said, and if I touch it, it's, it's not going to go well for me, but I'm going to ignore that, and I'm just going to touch it anyway. If you've got kids here, um, you, you'll know whenever your kid like, hurts himself or does something wrong and ends up bad, that your, I guarantee you, your first response is not, oh, are you okay? Your first response is, I told you not to do that. <laughs> I told you not to do that. And then you're like, oh, I better be sympathetic as a parent. So I'm going to go sort out, figure out if, if, if they're okay or not. I'll be like, I told you, man. I told you not to play with it or do that. There's this selective obedience where Uzzah's like, yeah, I know you said if I touch it, it's not going to go well for me, but I'm just going to touch it anyway. And we can be like that in our own lives. Where it's like, God, I know you said don't do that. I know you said don't live like that. I know you said don't partake in that sin or don't keep living that way or keep doing that thing. But I know you said that, that it would hurt me, but I'm just going to go ahead and keep touching that anyway. I'm going to keep doing that, that anyway uh, along the way. It's this kind of battle with, with selective obedience that we all have to fight. And listen, uh, maybe some of you here today, right now, you're kind of like, Your life's not ending up the way you thought it would end up and there's things going wrong, but you know you've been living in a way that's not God's way. You've been trying to do it your way and and it's sort of ending up in a big mess and you know God said you stop doing that or don't do that or live this way or whatever. Can I encourage you? God has got grace for you. God's got forgiveness for you. God's got life for you. God's got mercy for you. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Just If it's not working out your way, here's some advice. Just do it God's way. God's not a party pooper. He's not telling you not to do it because He wants to ruin the party. He wants to bring you life. He wants to bring you joy and fullness and freedom and hope. That's the life He has for your friends. And so just come back to Him. If you're trying to do it your way and it's not working out, can I suggest try it God's way? And, and I'm, I'm telling you, it'll work out much, much better for you. Second thought is this. If you want to live out the plans and purposes God has for you, understand this. It's not about you. It's not about you. Uzzah, uh, in this moment, um, you can see kind of what's going on. In this moment, he almost believes that without him being there, the plan of God is going to fall over. The work of God is going to fall over. That's why he reaches out and touches it. Because like, if I don't do so, if it's not for me, if it weren't for me, this would all fall over. And, and this is a really uh, dangerous mindset and something we all have to challenge ourselves with, especially if you're involved in leadership, if you are uh, involved leading a small group or uh, a ministry area, or you're involved in some capacity like that on a team, uh, this, this mindset that Uzzah has, that if, if it weren't for me, this would all fall over. I remember when um, Pastor Luke in Maryland asked Bex and I to go to Whangarei to take over the church um, up there. This was a number of years ago, in about 2011. 
and I was 28 years old. We were newly graduated youth pastors. We went up there. Uh, the church was a train wreck. It was um, about 120 people uh, in rapid decline, $4.5 million debt, um, kind of abusive, crazy leadership. The church was struggling in all kind of manner, and we got sent up there on the rescue mission to try and just see what you can do. And, um, and I remember Pastor Luke saying to me, oh, if it doesn't work out, that's all good. You didn't create the mess, you can come back. So I was like, that's, that's cool. That's all I can work with that. And uh, so we went up there and, and it was crazy. It was a mess. I mean, that's now our North Campus in Whangarei, part of our church. And uh, we just went up there with the goal to try and do something and see if God would breathe on it and, and see what he would do. And um, God did and God started to work. And after about three or four months, um, I started to think in my mind, I thought this thought came to me, and I think I even said it out loud, and I said, man, if we didn't come here, if it weren't for us coming here, all of this would have fallen over. This would be done. And, uh, and I really strongly in that moment felt the voice of God speak to me, and he said, Steve, if you didn't come, I would have raised another. <laughs> like, you can think it's about, like, if it weren't for me, this would all fall over. And God's like, if, if, if you didn't come, I would have just raised another. And, and, and it was, God was like, Steve, I don't, I don't need you to do this, but I do want you to. And I have chosen you to. A number of years ago, I was, at, um, I was listening to a, a, a session from Hillsong Conference where Joel uh, Houston was sharing. Joel Houston, the son of Brian Houston, uh, leader of Hillsong Church. And um, Joel was their worship leader, worship pastor, and wrote many of their songs, and uh, there was one particular Hillsong conference, he lost, completely lost his voice, like completely lost his voice, and he's the guy that leads worship in every session, and this is for the first time at Hillsong conference, he can't do anything, he can't even talk, so he, he literally has to sit down while the whole conference is going on, and in his mind, he's, he tells the story how in his mind he's going, it's not going to work, it's all going to fall over, this is crazy, if I'm not doing this stuff, then it's not going to work, and, and it's all going to fall over, and um, and again, for him as well, God spoke to him, and he just said, Joel, I don't need you. I don't need you, but I do want you. I don't need you, but I do want you. And I think it's a great challenge for every one of us here, no matter what you're involved in or where you are. God doesn't need you, but he has chosen you. And that's a great thought. God doesn't need you to do what he wants to do. If it weren't you, he would raise another, but he has chosen you, and he has called you, and he does want to use you. And so we get this amazing joy of just walking out the plan of God. We get this amazing joy of just walking out the plan of God with him and in partnership with him. And because he chose you, he's going to equip you, so he's got everything you need to do, what he's called you to do. It's not about you. You know, and God has called some of you. God, well, I believe God's called all of you. God's got a plan. He's got a purpose for you. God's called you to do it. And he doesn't need you, but he does want you. And that's so cool. And even right now, we're, um, in the next two weeks, we're going to be launching a whole new round of small groups. 
And I know even right now in our church, God has put the call on some of you. God's stirring you up to step up and step out to, to lead a small group of people, to help them find freedom and journey with God with them and take them on a journey and, and, and walk, walk this journey of faith with them. And uh, we've got a team out in the foyer right now. If, if you're interested, if you're like, even if it's piquing your interest, go, man, I could do something. I could help some people. I could walk with some people. You don't have to have all the answers. All you have to do is ask good questions. <laughs> you know, like, that's, that's the key to being a good small group leader. Just ask good questions. Uh, we'll help you to do that. We'll train you how to do that. And for many of you here today, like this is your time to step up. We want to relaunch a whole new group of small groups and you'd be based around any interest, any hobby, anything you want to do. Uh, if you can gather a group of people around you to start a group, man, start a group. We'd, we'd love to help you and love to see you do it. We've got about 112 groups happening right now in our church. We want to have around 200 small groups in our church. We want to keep growing that. We want to have uh, more leaders doing that. Uh, for some of you today, that's your step that's going to see you find freedom for your own life and actually grow into all that God's got for you when you start to step out and lead a group. Bex and I launched our first small group on Tuesday night. We had a whole bunch of ready uh, like young adults show up at our house and drink all my coffee and eat all our food. <laughs> and they just like, I said to them, guys, you just got to be aware you're leaving at 9.30. 9.30, you're out of my house, all right? I need my sleep. So... They were awesome. It was amazing. It was an amazing time. But we're so excited about journeying with a whole bunch of people and helping them grow into all God's got for them. If the team wants to join me, that'd be great. My last thought is simply this. Number three, the lesson from Uzar is remember what you're carrying. Remember what you're carrying. Um, not that long ago, <clears throat> I got uh, the privilege of being in one of probably New Zealand's wealthiest people's home. I, was, I went into their home and I went into their living room and um, just in the living room, the lounge room, um, I walk in and I look on the wall and I see a painting that it looks very familiar. And I'm not a big art person, but I do love um, Goldie paintings. If you know Goldie, Goldie's a very famous New Zealand artist. If you don't know what they are, Google, go home and Google. Don't do it right now, I can see you. Go home <laughs> and, and Google um, Goldie paintings. And so I, I, I walk into the lounge room and I look up on the wall and I, I'm like, there's this painted, beautiful painting hanging there. And in my head, I'm going, is that a Goldie? Is that a Goldie? So I'm, I walk over to it, and I'm like inspecting this thing on the wall. And I'm like, is it a, is it a reprint? Or is it a legit original Goldie? Because if it is, that's a lot of money. I'm thinking, how do I get it in my car? So, <laughs> will it fit up my shirt? It's a bit big. I'm looking at it going, wow. And, and um. The son, uh, who, uh, whose dad's house it is, he walks up and I'm like, bro, is that a legit Goldie? Like a real deal? He's like, yeah. And just shrugs it off and walks on. And I'm sitting there like, I'm in awe of this thing. And he's just, to him it's just ordinary. To him it's just ordinary. And Uzar in this moment has had the ark in his house for some time. And that old saying that familiarity can breed contempt for things. It's like he's forgotten what he's carrying. And, and, and the Bible says because of his irreverent act of reaching out and touching it, that's, what, that's why God struck him down. When you're around something so often, you can start to forget what you're carrying. When you come to church week in and week out, week in and week out, we can start to forget what this is really about and what God really wants to do here. We don't just gather for the sake of gathering and we see it as, as common and, 
It's not common. It's this gathering of the saints where we come together and we worship God together and we have faith brought together and we have this, this, this collective atmosphere of belief and faith and worship and vision and something powerful happens when, when, the, when the people of God gather together. Don't, don't forget what you carry. When you go to read your Bible, this isn't just some ordinary book. This is extraordinary. Don't forget what you carry. Don't forget what sits beside your bed. Don't forget what you have on the app on your phone now. Like, don't forget what you carry with you because this is amazing. Don't hold it with an irreverent mind, but hold it with reverence in your heart. When you go to pray, when, you, when we sing worship songs, don't just think they're just songs. There's so much more than just songs. It's, it come with some, some reverence for what we're carrying in this place. When the things of God become too familiar, they begin to be seen as just ordinary. But I want to tell you, church, God is far from ordinary. He's far from ordinary. And, and I want to share a little story with you. Um, I'm not too sure how much it relates to anything I'm talking about, but it will help you to understand and remember again what it is you carry. Um, a couple of weeks ago, a young man came to see me, came up to me after church, and um, him and his wife have a business in sort of in China and New Zealand, and so they're back and forth, and she's currently living and working in China, and he's kind of here for a month, there for a month, kind of back and forth a bit, right? So um, they've been at our church for a while, and he came up to me on uh, Sunday just two weeks ago, and he said, Steve, um, my wife wants a divorce. She's, she's like, then this young couple, she wants a divorce, she wants out, I don't, uh, it's just, it's all a mess. And I'm like, oh man, that's, that's no good, we're not having that, <laughs> we're not having that. And I said, you gotta fight for this man, like you gotta fight for this marriage. And um, I, I said, let's pray together and let's pray that God would move supernaturally for her um, to turn her heart around. And so we're praying, we're just praying, God, right now, he's here in New Zealand, she's in China, God, move supernaturally, do something to restore this, God, have your way. And um, he came back to me last, he came back last week to church and he said, Steve, um, it's all good. I was like, it's all good, what's all good? He said, it's all good. We're, we're good, we're good, my wife and I. I'm like, cool, and he goes, something supernatural happened. And I said, what happened? Tell me what supernatural happened. And um, no, don't clap yet, clap soon. Um, he, he said, he said um, when we had our fight originally, she took off her wedding rings and threw them away, like threw them away. And not just like, ah, eh, on the floor, like threw them away. And, um, and he said, I've been praying for her since we prayed on Sunday. He said, I've been fasting for my marriage for three days, fast, praying and fasting for my wife for our marriage for three days that God would move supernaturally. And um, he said on the third day, she got home from work in China. He's still in New Zealand, hasn't gone back. Uh, she got home from work in China, had a shower, came out of the bathroom, only to find her wedding rings sitting on her pillow on her bed, just sitting there. And uh, these wedding rings she'd thrown away weeks earlier, just happened to appear back on her pillow. And God spoke to her in that moment to put them back on and to reconcile. And, to, and so she called him straight away and he got on the next flight to China, was there for like 48 hours. They reconciled, amazing. And then he, he's, he's, he's back over here now. But I, yeah, you can clap now. You can clap now. <laughs> no one's in the house. No one's here. He's here. No one's around. It's just God showing up in a supernatural way. And, and I tell you that, yeah, it's a cool story. Uh, but also 
to remind you of what you carry, that you carry the power and the presence of a holy, loving, almighty God who wants to use you to change this world. Let's stand to our feet. I'd love to pray for you this morning. Let's pray. God, we come to you now. Lord, in awe and in reverence to you, a holy God. God, we know that your way is not our way, but your way is better. So right now, if we've not been living your way, we repent of it, we turn from it, and we turn back to you. And we say, help us, God, to live your way. God, I pray for each of us here in this room today. Lord, that we'd know that we carry the power and the presence of an almighty God. Lord, that you love us, you don't need us, but you do want us. And whatever you're calling us into, I thank you, God, for choosing us. It is an honor to serve you, and it's an honor to be used by you. Help us, Lord, to hold with reverence that which we need to. Lord, we don't want to ever treat things lightly that coming to church is just common. Singing songs is common. The Word is common. Lord, we want to hold it with that reverence and remember what it is we carry. We honor and we worship you, a holy and loving God. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's worship for a few moments. Death could not hold you. The veil tongue before you. You silence the ghost of sin and grace. The heavens are roaring. The praise of your 